what is the best Christmas gift you've ever received? Maybe it's a new uh, tech device that, that makes your life easier. Uh, maybe uh, it's a new gaming console. Uh, maybe you're the target audience of all of those Lexus commercials and your significant other gave you a new car without talking to you about finances. That's normal, right? Uh, or maybe uh, your favorite gift was something that was homemade and holds a sentimental place in your heart. For me, uh, my favorite gift that I've ever received, I received in high school. In high school, uh, Corey golfed a lot, like four to five, six, seven times a week, a lot. Uh, it was the best way for me to connect with my dad uh, because we're just walking for two, two and a half hours, depending on how we're playing, um, chasing a little white ball around a field, right? And we got to talk about life and anything that came up. But being that I was newer to golf, I, I didn't really have a nice golf bag. I had just this plain black golf bag with a little red trim on it, and one of the legs looked like this because I had too, many, too much stuff in my bag, um, and I needed a new one. Another way that my dad and I connected is we were both huge Pittsburgh Steelers fans, right? Uh, so my dad surprised me with a brand new uh, Pittsburgh Steelers golf bag. It looked like this. I loved that thing, right? But growing up uh, in Cincinnati, I didn't get a lot of positive comments about it, but it's fine. Might be why I didn't have a lot of friends. Uh, but it, it's cool. The Steelers were always better than the Bengals anyways. But all throughout high school uh, and then all throughout college and then even when I moved here, um, I used this golf bag. And I loved it. Um, and it was an awesome gift because it reminded me of my dad and I got to use it for a long time. And it, it, was, it was so cool. Uh, and I've used it until this year. I got a new golf bag for my wife uh, for my birthday, and I love that one as well. But while you're thinking about uh, your favorite gift you've ever received, let me ask you another question. What was your reaction when you received that gift? Were you excited? Did you have jubilation? Did you want to show it off? Were you proud of it? All, all those reactions are pretty normal, but I, I want to show you one of my favorite reactions to a gift I've ever seen, and this comes from an ad for a real company named Mulberry and their handbags. Check this out. I know we weren't going to do presents, but here. Oh, Joe. beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. Evening. I heard you had a new bag. Well, yes, I literally just opened it. Lordy, lordy. Do you mind if I... Isn't that a picture? I know. The door was open, so I thought I... May I? Oh, there it is. I wouldn't normally go for red, but that really works, doesn't it? 
Someone's a very lucky girl. Oh, yes, I know. Sorry, traffic was a nightmare. We come bearing gifts. <laughs> Thank you, whoever you are. Well, this is truly marvelous. <laughs> it smells amazing. <laughs> it's a thing of wonder. Quite stupendous. Guys, it's just a bag. So I looked up uh, that bag afterwards, and that bag retails for $1,900. Uh, but the ad, uh, it hit on, on something that we can so quickly uh, lean towards worshiping our possessions and our gifts. We've been so often consumed with materialism uh, that if we aren't careful, we can miss the most amazing, uh, wonderful, and impactful gift that has ever been given. And no, it's not the same bag, but in green, right? So today we're going to be spending a majority of our time in Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be spending our time in verses 1 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. If uh, you're joining us for the first time, you guys don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, in one of the seats in front of you. Uh, that's our free gift to you. Take that home with you. Uh, also, you can join us on the Version Bible app. Uh, again, that's Luke chapter 2. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the, the Scripture in bulk and then break it down section by section. Right? So Luke says in verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. Because there's no room or place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. Right, these, these verses are, are so impactful and powerful. This is the first glimpse that we have in the book of Luke into the birth and life of Christ. Right? He's been prophesied for hundreds of years to come to earth, to be born of a virgin, to establish his kingdom, and it's finally happening. But I want to point out a couple things before we really dig in. 
The first is that Luke, the author, right? He is a doctor. So he wants to have things be very detail-oriented. He wants to have an orderly and logical account for the way that he's writing things. So in doing that, Luke shows us that there's a decree that goes out that in a very real space and time to have everyone participate in a census, right? So you can literally track through history when Quirinius was governor, when the decree went out, and you can see that. Luke is uh, dictating when that happened. And for that to happen, everyone had to go to the town of their ancestors to be registered. So what does that mean for Joseph and for Mary? Well, that means that they had to participate as well. And for Joseph, he was a descendant of David. So that means that he has to go to Bethlehem to be a part of the census. So he's leaving a town called Nazareth. And he and his betrothed, who's pregnant with Jesus, are making the trek all the way to Bethlehem. Now here's the crazy thing. We don't normally focus on the trek. Uh, we get more towards the, the meat and potatoes of, of the verse where we're talking about the birth of Jesus. But I, for a moment, I want to set the context of what Mary and Joseph had to endure. All right? So first off, this trek was 90 miles. All right? and that's around the same distance as if you were to walk from here to Columbus. All right? They had to make that trek 90 miles, and Mary was nine months pregnant. Doesn't sound enjoyable. And to make matters worse, they were traveling in the desert during winter, right? So they would have highs of 30s. It would get colder in the evening, and it rains a lot in the desert in winter, all right? And I don't know if you know this, but... It seems like McDonald's has been around forever, but they didn't have those in Bible times. So in order for them to have food and stuff along the trip, they had to carry all of their provisions with them. And to top all of that off, when they finally got to their destination, there wasn't any room for them to stay. And you thought your family Christmas was tough, right? But then the most historically significant event in the world happened. Mary, a virgin, gave birth to a son. She gave birth to Jesus. And she fulfilled in that moment every prophecy that was written, and Christ had come to earth. What a cool scene. But the scene, it doesn't stop there. I want to read again verses 8 through 10. And it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So we have this incredible moment that just happened. And out in the field, there are some shepherds doing their shepherding thing, right? They're doing their job. And an angel of the Lord appears to them and says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all people. 
Now it's really significant that the angels appear to the shepherds because the shepherds were thought of as, as social outcasts. They were outside a lot. They're at the bottom of the social hierarchy. They were usually poor. They smelled and they were usually thought of as unclean. But God still appeared to them. And all, all of these reasons why it's so cool that he appeared to them. God's gospel message, his salvation, his hope for the world, his plan is for all people. It's for the shepherds and it's for the wise men. It's for the carpenters and it's for the tax collectors. It's for the fishermen and it's for the Pharisees. And it is for you and it is for me. And we have been invited to be a part of God's redemptive plan. And we have been invited to eternity with and despite our sins, despite our mistakes, and despite things that should separate us from God, but don't. And every year around Christmas time, we gather around and we focus on the presents under the tree. I know I, I love giving gifts. Uh, I hate receiving them unless you're a family member because then I feel really obligated to get you a gift. Don't do that to me, all right? But I love giving them. But no gift that we could ever give can top the presence of Jesus coming to earth. Jesus' presence is greater than any present. But Jesus' presence brought along some pretty cool presents as well. So I want to focus in on what the angel said to the shepherds. All right, in verse 10 it says, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So the first thing we see is that Jesus' presence brings comfort. The angel said, don't be afraid, right? It would be terrifying to have the angels pop up out of nowhere and the, the sky is shining. I would be terrified. But they said, don't be afraid. And that word they're afraid is the same word in Greek that we have for the word phobia, right? So the phobia is an unreasoning, unreasoning and paralyzing fear. The angels wanted the shepherds to know, hey, you're safe. You're okay. You don't need to be afraid. So the angels brought the shepherds peace and comfort, but that Jesus also brings that comfort for us. In John 16, he says, I have told you these things, this is Jesus talking, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace or you may have comfort, because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. There are a lot of things in this world that are terrifying that are, are worthy of maybe having a little bit of, of fear about. You know, the potential of losing a loved one, public speaking. There's a reason only three of us do it up here, right? Uh, being slandered against or having lies thrown against you or maybe death itself. But we don't have to fear because God has overcome. And we serve a God who brings comfort and who brings peace. And one really practical way uh, that we can see this peace that God brings is by seeing his people. 
right? We have an incredible community of believers here at OCC that is so good at surrounding hurting people and caring for them and offering comfort to them. And I've seen that through different ministries, such as, as grief care and divorce care. And I've seen that in loaves and fishes. But the moment that I see it the most is just in the everyday of God's people being obedient and sharing His love to others. OCC really has something special in the hearts of the people, and I really believe that it is God moving in them to offer comfort to those who need it. So God brings, His presence brings comfort. The second uh, one is that Jesus' presence brings good news, right? The angel said, uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. So what is that good news? Uh, we know the good news to be the gospel, right? That's literally what gospel means, the good news. But why is it good? Well, it's good because it is the, the redemptive story of how God redeems his people through the death and the resurrection of his son. So the angels are appearing to, to the shepherds and they're saying they're bringing good news of great joy. And the good news uh, that they are about to share is foreshadowing the entire life of Christ and the spread of Christianity. The shepherds and the people around would have known about all the prophecies about Jesus coming. And they were invited in to see it and then they were tasked to share it. And we've been tasked with the same thing. And if we're going to share the good news, the good news uh, that Jesus has come, he was born, he lived a perfect life, and he died so that you and I could have life with him for eternity, we need to know how to share that in an orderly and logical way, right? Luke would be proud of us. So my, one of my favorite ways to do that is an evangelism tool um, called The Bridge, Okay, maybe you've heard of this. Uh, maybe you, you've seen it. Uh, maybe this will be new to you. I don't know. But I figured that I couldn't be the only preacher at OCC to not use a whiteboard this year, so I had to fit it in. Uh, so on your bulletin, uh, there should be uh, at the bottom a section that says bridge, and then it has an empty space, right? So what I would love for you to do is I would love for you to copy this with me um, so that you can learn how to do it. It's really simple. And then when the time comes for you to share the good news, you will be prepared in season and out of season to share the gospel, right? So, on your bulletin, follow me. In the beginning, you have man, and you have God, right? And things were awesome. Right? We were in the garden, we were walking in the cool of the day with him, and it was amazing. I, I wish I could have been there to witness it, but God gave Adam and Eve a very specific uh, decree. He said, do not eat from the forbidden tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And what happens? Adam and Eve ate from the tree of good and evil. And that action is what we call sin, right? Uh, sin is anything that goes against the will of God, anything that detours us from God's will. So in that action, in that sin, they created, Adam and Eve created a divide, a great chasm, 
right? And now it's really easy for us to blame Adam and Eve, like, man, if you just didn't eat that fruit, we could still be in the garden, and it would be awesome. But here's the deal. Adam and Eve weren't the only people to sin. They were just the first. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everyone. That's you. That's me. That's everyone. So, but three chapters later in Romans 6.23, it says the wages of sin is death. Right? And that's not just a physical death, but, but a spiritual one as, as well. The wages of our sin is death in a place called hell. Now think of this chasm as uh, a space like the, the Grand Canyon, right? We can try our hardest to, to run across and make that leap, but we're never going to get to the other side. Especially me, I have a credit card vert, so I, I'm doomed. Uh, but the really amazing thing about Christianity, more than any other religion, is that we don't have to be the one to make that gap, to bridge that gap. So many other world religions are all about doing things, earning enough good points to get to heaven and doing, doing, doing. But the amazing thing is that God has already done that. When God sent his son here uh, to live a perfect life, to ultimately die in our place, he bridged that gap. And in 1 Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for all sins, for the righteous and the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. So we have this chasm, but God died once for all, so that we could be brought to God and have a relationship with him. And that is the good news. And if you're wondering, well, okay, what, what, what's the next step? Well, you get there by hearing what you're doing right now. You're hearing the good news by choosing to believe. All right. Yes, I, I believe what Corey is saying is true or John wouldn't have put him on the stage. Right. Um, and then you have to confess that Jesus is Lord, and you repent uh, from all of your, your past sins, which is a full 180-degree turn, right? Uh, repentance isn't just saying, hey, I'm sorry for what I've done, and keep going in the, the wrong direction. Repenting is saying, hey, I'm sorry for what I've done, and I'm going to choose to follow you instead. And then it is through the final act uh, of baptism. Right? Baptism is so cool uh, because it is um, the literal uh, being buried with Christ and raised to a new life. It, it is being washed clean. And we here at OCC, we baptize through full immersion because the Greek word there for baptism is baptismo, which literally means a submersion. All right? So that, that's why we do that here. But this is the good news. The, the, the good news is we were separated but we have an opportunity to come with God and have a relationship with him, not because of anything that we can do or have done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. And that's good news. 
So the first thing is that Jesus' presence brings comfort. The second is that Jesus' presence brings good news. And the third is that Jesus' presence brings great joy. He brings great joy. For many people, I, I realize Christmas time isn't a time of great joy at all. It, it's actually usually a time of, of great sadness. A lot of people don't have the extra cash for the Christmas gifts. Uh, maybe they don't get to spend time with their family. Maybe they're reminded of the loss of a loved one. And turkey dinners and opening presents is only just a wish and not a reality. And if that, that's where you are, my, my heart breaks for you. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because God brings great joy into our lives. And I, I want to take a moment, um, just for a second here, to, to really brag on OCC and specifically the students as well. Uh, this year we partnered with uh, CCHO, uh, Christian Children's Home of Ohio. Because for many students at CCHO, Christmas doesn't get to look normal for them. They don't get to have everything that a picture-perfect Christmas would look like. But CCHO, the organization, makes enormous efforts to bring joy uh, to these students, uh, especially during Christmas time. And I, I'm so impressed with them, and I'm glad that we're partnering with them. Uh, but it has been incredible to see how our students and how our church has uh, really gone uh, above and beyond in some different ways. First off, our church has sponsored uh, eight students this year, uh, which was really cool. Uh, and in that sponsoring, we were able to buy gifts for the students uh, so that they could um, have some Christmas joy, uh, the joy that God offers us. Uh, in the women's ministry, they had a That's a Wrap um, Christmas present event where they wrapped every gift for uh, the residential CCHO kids, which was so cool. So not only did we buy the gifts, we were also able to wrap them uh, so that the kids would be able to have something to open. I could never do that. I just put things in a bag because I'm horrible with scissors and tape. But then just last week, um, we took a group of 19 elements high school students uh, to CCHO to inventory all the gifts for the Encompass uh, foster kids. And that's the youth minister here. I, I just want to say thank you. Um, thank you for those of you who gave gifts. Uh, thank you for those of you who wrapped the gifts. Uh, and thank you for the students um, who went to inventory them. And, and especially thank you for those of you who work at CCHO um, that are making a daily difference and are bringing great joy uh, to those who need it. But Jesus came to earth to bring great joy, right? And he did that by offering hope. Before, there, there, we didn't have that. And the possibility of hope is something that can bring so much joy to people that don't have it. We, we have the opportunity to spend eternity with Christ. And in that eternity, there's not going to be any more illness. There won't be any more death. There won't be any more loss. There won't be 
any more broken marriages. Christmas, or not Christmas, um, heaven is going to be uh, a beautiful place where we get to spend uh, eternity with God. You know, it, it, it's, it's easy to, to really get wrapped up into the hustle and bustle of, of family traditions and, and Christmas parties and looking at all the houses with the beautiful lights and really lose the meaning behind what Christmas is all about. You know, it's fun to give gifts to, to one another and to celebrate family traditions, but don't let those really good things distract you from the best thing and the greatest gift that we have ever received. Jesus came. He didn't have to. But God cared about us so much. He loved us so much that Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. And he died so that we could be with him and have a relationship with him. Jesus' presence and what that offers means so many things. It offers comfort. It offers good news. It offers incredible joy. And it offers us hope. Jesus' presence here on earth happened so that we could be in his presence for eternity. And maybe you, you've never given your life to Christ, and you've been coming here for a while, and you're discovering who this Jesus person really was and what his sacrifice really means and the weight of all of it, and you're ready to make a decision to follow him. What an awesome gift to give back to God than to follow him. Right? What do you get the what, what gift do you give the God who has everything? Your life. And maybe you've you've made that step, but you haven't really taken that next step in your journey with God because really baptism isn't the final step. In many ways, it's one of the first steps uh, because uh, our whole life is a lifelong journey of following God. And in any journey, there has to be steps in that. So how are you following Jesus? What's your next step that you need to take? If you need somebody to talk to about what that looks like for you or talk about uh, what it means to follow Jesus, man, there are some people in the back of this room uh, that would love to be able to talk to you and would love to help you take those next steps. God's greatest gift to us was the presence of his son and his sacrifice. And when Jesus was here, he changed everything. Let us never forget that Jesus' presence is greater than any present or anything that we could ever pursue. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, your presence here. Um, thank you for your presence um, when Jesus came, and thank you for the presence in, in your people. Thank you for uh, the, the comfort that you offer, the good news that you brought, and the great joy that we can have when we're living for you. God, help us to never forget uh, your sacrifice and what that means for us in the future. God, help us to live for you, to share that good news that you brought, and to make an impact in your kingdom that will last for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.